You obviously know Kung Fu. Hey, what's up? It's Ernie Reyes Jr. from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and you're listening to Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Welcome to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Adjust your speaker box, sit back, relax, and remember, your Kung Fu may be good, but mine is better. <laughs> When a group of workers find themselves slaving away for cruel masters, they turn to a warrior monk for help. But what happens when that monk is more show than Shaolin? Welcome to the Kung Fu Driving Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Vita, and in this episode, we welcome back the Master Killer as we return to the 36th Chamber. So if you've been tuning in for a while, then you know that I'm a huge Gordon Liu fan. His film, The 36th Chamber, is one of my all-time favorites and is widely regarded as one of the most influential Kung Fu films in the genre. Wu-Tang Clan got their album named directly from this film, and all Kung Fu fans know Gordon Liu as the Master Killer, which was the US title for that film. Then there were the sequels. Now, while not as influential as their predecessor, are still fun movies, though very different in tone from The 36th Chamber. Particularly this film. Return to The 36th Chamber is a 1980 Shaw Brothers Studio Hong Kong martial arts comedy film starring Gordon Liu. It's directed by Lao Kar Lung and written by Ni Kuang, and this film is the second in a very loosely connected trilogy following the 36th Chamber of Shaolin and preceding Disciples of the 36th Chamber. It gets a little meta in this film because Gordon Liu plays a guy who plays a guy that Gordon Liu played in the prequel to this film. Get all that? Good. Don't worry, we'll sort it out later. Now, when I'm recording this, Gordon Liu just celebrated his 66th birthday and is recognized as one of the Kung Fu screen giants from this era. More mainstream audiences will know him from his roles in Quentin Tarantino's Kill Bill movies, where Liu played the leader of the 88 Keys, and more memorably, he was the bride's unforgiving Kung Fu instructor, Pai Mei. And for longtime Kung Fu fans, there's a through line there, because Gordon Liu starred in Clan of the White Lotus, which was another hugely influential movie in the genre, wherein he faced off against Pai Mei, and then Pai Mei's classmate, who happened to look and fight exactly like Pai Mei. Confused? Of course you are. So go listen to my episode on that and get some further clarification. This film opens up with a montage of our main character, Achi, amidst other Shaolin students training in various chambers of the famed Shaolin Temple. It's a nice throwback to the previous film, The 36th Chamber of Shaolin, which focused heavily on the main character, Sante, learning to become a true Shaolin warrior monk. The training sequences in the previous film were fascinating and inventive, and that continues here with some new trials for the students to face. Now, as to how accurate these training methods were, I can't say because, save for a few History Channel specials, the secrets of Shaolin have always been pretty well guarded. Outside of Shaolin, we also see Achi recklessly moving around some bamboo scaffolding, and that'll be an important part of the story later, so let's put a pin in that for now. We join the film on the floor of an open-air dye factory where workers are troubled over the quality of their recent production line. Apparently, the dyes are weak, and thus the product is substandard in quality. Now, before we go any further... One of the workers that we meet here is Ah Chow, played by Sho Hao, who we've seen before in Mad Monkey Kung Fu and My Young Auntie. He's a brilliant acrobat and a really dynamic fighter, but in this comedic turn, his most unforgettable feature isn't his Kung Fu. It's his teeth. <laughs> I'll post an image on my various social media so you see what I mean, but his teeth are beyond comically oversized. In fact, they deliberately reinforce the old stereotype of buck-toothed Asians, which, if you're old enough to remember from the pre-PC days, 
was the way that Asians were depicted when they were cast in a derogatory light. Everyone from Bugs Bunny to Marvel Comics used the highly offensive caricature of an Asian with huge buck teeth and the accompanying speech impediment. Something like this would never fly on TV today, but show how makes it funny within context. Anyway, the workers' leader, Ah Sun, and Ah Chow get called to Chief Ma, their boss's office, where they get dressed down for the weakness of their product. There are a bunch of Manchu workers there as well, and here we learn that Chief Ma has decided to bring these Manchu workers into the factory to raise the quality of the product. They've even brought their own color poles, which they don't mind showing off to the current staff in very aggressive fashion. And all it'll cost is a 20% wage reduction for the current workforce. Now this, of course, doesn't sit well with the workers, but when they protest, Asan takes a boot to the chest while Ah Chow gets introduced to the color pole with a crack across his back. The rest of the workers, angered by the new arrangement, start to stage a walkout, but Chief Ma isn't keen on this idea either. You've got a nerve getting everyone to walk up. Anyone who dares walk out the door gets beaten up. A few workers get their rage on and dare the Manchu crew to put up or shut up, but unfortunately for them, the Manchu crew knows Kung Fu, and the few workers that do step up get beat down hard. Ah Chow tries to draw their fire away from the main crowd and gets to use a little bit of his acrobatics, but those color poles deal out some real damage, and Ah Chow spits up a little blood as proof. When the women intervene, they get a hard slap across their faces. No more. We'll go along with what they say. Cut our wages. Later at a local pub where the workers are licking their wounds, Asan wants to take their case right up the ladder to the big boss. But one of the elders, Uncle Lee, explains the harsh realities of their world. You can see those Manchu dyers were hired by the boss himself. Yes, they were. Yeah, yeah that's true. Ah then goes ahead and makes the logical deduction that if only they knew Kung Fu, they could beat the Manchu into submission. We cut away here and are introduced to Gordon Liu's character, Ah Chi, who's working the streets as a snake oil salesman. He's trying to peddle a cure-all pill without much success. He does, however, pass the room where the dye factory workers have gathered and pops in to see what's going on. Ah Chi and Ah San happen to be brothers, and it's clear from the get-go that Ah San isn't exactly enamored with his little brother's career choices. What are you up to? Ah, my line of work is slightly different. You see, I sometimes pose as a holy priest or beggar or thief or even a prince and maybe a knave. My life is difficult. Take note of Gordon Liu's facial expressions here because he really sells this oddball character and it's a testament to his versatility as an actor. He's obviously got the martial arts skills, but he's as adept with comedy as he is kung fu and he gets his shine in this film at both. When Ah Chi goes over to check on Ah Chao's wounds, he gets chastised for pretending to be a Shaolin monk. Ever the performer, Achi decides to try and sell the idea that he actually is a Shaolin monk, complete with warrior monk Kung Fu. But when he gets called out to maybe help get revenge for the workers... Don't involve me. My brand of Kung Fu, it's not for revenge. It's for universal peace. Ha! Huh, that's a stupid Kung Fu! The next day, Achi continues his monk charade while trying to solicit donations for his temple with about as much success as before. And while he's hustling... Ah Chow and Miss Sho, here played by Kara Huey, approach him with a unique proposition. You play a good monk. Yeah, yeah. Could you play the master Come Santa? On, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Now, don't get me involved. I could easily lose my life. So to reiterate really quickly, speaking of Santé, this film is part of that trilogy, but it's not really a direct sequel. In the first film, 36 Chamber, Gordon Liu played the young monk Santé, or Sanda, depending on your dub, and we got to see his origin story. 
In this film, Gordon Liu is again the star of the film, but he plays a con man who impersonates Sante, who is actually in this film, but he's portrayed by another actor altogether. In the final film of this trilogy, Gordon Liu again reprises his role as Sante, but the focus of the film is on the other character, Fang Shiyu. Anyway, the workers ask Achi to play the role of Sante to try and scare the Manchu into reinstating their wages. Achi is reluctant, but eventually caves to their demands. Back at the factory, our buck-toothed schemer Ah Chao lures one of the Manchu enforcers into pursuing a tryst with Miss Sho, who bats her eyes and flashes a come-hither look his way. He follows her to a clearing outside the factory, where he meets up with two other enforcers, all of whom have been lured to the same spot under the same false pretenses. As they begin figuring out that they've been duped, the workers pop out of the trees and challenge the goons. You thanks, you think you're brave, stealing our wages and fooling with our women. Goddamn you. You'll be sorry. Fight scene. The workers charge the Manchu thugs, but all they wind up doing is staining the color poles with their blood. The Manchus don't even break a sweat as they crack their sticks over the factory workers' arms, legs, and heads. However, the workers have been hiding an ace up their sleeves. Hold it! I'm a Shaolin high priest. Shaolin priest. Shaolin priest. Watch my descent. Buddha bless you. From high up in the trees, we see Ah Chi in full Shaolin monk garb as he calls upon some ancient mystical kung fu and floats down dramatically to the ground, filling all the onlookers with awe. At least the Manchus, anyway. When we get a close-up behind Achi, we see him quickly clip a wire that was being winched by a hidden group of factory workers. Achi approaches the group where Ah Chao explains the plight of the factory crew. As if moved by anger, some of the co-workers advance on the Manchu and bring their staffs down towards them. But Achi, in full Shaolin monk mode, extends his arm to block the strike and proceeds to have all the staffs break easily across his arm. The workers then try running at the Manchu, but Achi pops into a stance and waves his arms at the guys, throwing them back a few feet without ever actually touching them. It's an impressive display of pure Shaolin Chi Force power. The Manchu are clearly shaken by what they've seen and are silently trying to find a way to back out of this rather than face off against Shaolin Kung Fu. Sente, go and tell your boss from me. I'm coming to see him soon. Go! <laughs> Ducking another wave of Fo Sante's magic Shaolin hands, the Manchu turn tail and head back to the factory while the workers celebrate their deception. What is the Potter family? Hey y'all, it's Juliette Miranda from the Unwritable Rant Podcast. This is Michael Vasquez of the No Soundbites Allowed Podcast. I'm James Hatton. I'm Podcast Rob from the Something Something Cast. This is Knock from the Geek Over Podcast. This is Jeff with the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. This is Daniel from the Toe on the Trigger Podcast. This is Dave from the Parlapod Podcast. Hey guys, this is Mike from the Mike Jolet Show. Woo! We're Josh and David from the Scotch and Flicks Podcast. We are you. Podcasters coming together in a community to help one another grow. So follow us on Twitter at Potter Family. And use the hashtag Potter Family in your tweets and retweet other people who do the same. Potter and Family, where great podcasts come home. At the factory, the thugs explain to Chief Ma that Sante himself is now on the case on the side of the workers. Initially, the Manchu are eager to fight, but they get talked down when the goon explains the might he witnessed 
back in the clearing. What's more, it seems that Sante followed them back and is at the gate, waiting to talk to Chief Ma himself. At the gate, Chief Ma is trying to break up the crowd when Fo Sante strolls through the gates. As Chief Ma moves to meet him, Fo Sante waves his hands, quickly and decisively shutting the heavy gate behind him. Chief Ma then tries to talk his way out of a Shaolin beatdown, and for the moment, threatens to break Fo Sante's character when he offers him a sizable bribe. But the workers slap Fo Sante back to reality when they again charge the Manchu, prompting Fo Sante to do his thing. With another wave of his hand, he halts the charge and scatters the workers through the air, tossing some of them into the dye pools. A shaken Chief Ma stammers over himself as he does what he has to to avoid the Shaolin monk's wrath. I knew you'd come to agree with us. From today onwards, their wages will all be paid in full. God. With the agreement in place, the workers begin to celebrate while the Manchu quietly stew without daring to anger Fo Sante. That evening, the workers spend some time and some money celebrating their little victory, but not everybody is letting completely loose. Listen, don't get too cocky. You may have got away with it this time, but you'll go too far. There's your bit of foreshadowing, but it doesn't stop the revelry. However, back at the factory, the big boss, Boss Wang, played with every evil fiber in his being by the one and only Johnny Wang Longwei, is grilling his Manchu team for their inability to deal with the Shaolin interloper. Did you actually fight him? No. No, no, no. No. So, all you saw was a show. Boss Wang, a practical despot, orders that Sante be invited back for a face-to-face -face meeting with him right there at the factory. Cut to some time later as Fo Sante is walking into the factory for the big meeting. Boss Wang and his crew are all set to receive their honored guest, and Ah Chi is still riding high off of his successful performance. But as he approaches Boss Wang, Boss Wang makes it a point to show off some of his kung fu skills by kicking up his bench and deftly spinning it around his hands before effortlessly placing it back down and taking his seat. Achi is slightly apprehensive, but he goes ahead with a charade anyway. Except this time, his audience isn't so gullible. I've yet to see a demonstration. What? That's easy. Ciao. Come, priest. Show us how to do some tricks. To help him sell it, Achao and Asan grab Achi by the back and toss him over the railing so that he flies through the air and lands at Boss Wang's feet, where he plays up the notion that he meant to do that. Boss Wang plays along, but Achi presses his luck a little bit more by essentially saying that he ain't seen nothing yet. So, of course, Boss Wang requests that he show him some more. What about your true skills? Show us how good you really are. Please, go on, you show me. What? Show? Hey, a Kung Fu show! With a nod and a wink to his compatriots, Achi has the workers rush at him again, only to be repelled by the mystical chief force. But Boss Wang isn't so easily convinced. In fact, he requests that the monk fight him instead, which, of course, was never in Achi's plans. He tries to walk away, but Boss Wang pounces, and with just a few moves, knocks Achi back up into the air and over the railing where he cartoonishly falls on his back, then rolls up into a lotus position. Meanwhile, the Manchu crew, realizing they've been had, spring into action and start punishing Achi as they mock him. Achi can do nothing but take the humiliation, until they drag him back to Boss Wang for a sentencing. What should we do with this young fool? Oh, he used fake kung fu upon you. You use the real thing to fix him up. Fight scene. So this isn't quite a fight scene because all it really is is the Manchu crew mercilessly beating on the workers. Achi and Achao take the worst of the beatings, but the Manchu have enough color pole for everybody. The workers come at the Manchu in groups of two or three, but because the Manchu know actual kung fu, 
They easily handle the clumsy, uncoordinated rabble. The director gets to play with the colors in the scene by pulling the dyed fabrics across the screen in a cool little kaleidoscope, but it's all just a distraction to allow Achi to try and get away. Unfortunately, having Fosante slip out just angers the Manchu, and they take it out on the guys left behind in brutal fashion. Later that evening, Achi meets up with the workers, only to find that they've been absolutely wrecked. They're bandaged up and stitched, and all Ah-san can talk about is how his stupid brother made this whole situation worse for everybody. I know this is my fault, but still, not all. The first round, I won that. You saw me. You called me back. Asan lets his emotions boil over, and he points out the obvious that Achi has no real power. Achi, embarrassed and ashamed, runs out of there vowing that somehow he would get some power, though he has no idea how. Outside, Achao and Misho track him down and try to smooth things over, and there they convince him to actually try and learn Kung Fu by going to Shaolin Temple. Now, despite the time that it would take to learn and master Kung Fu, this somehow makes sense to the formerly shiftless, scheming Achi, so this becomes his mission. Probo! Sushi Jackknife is a weekly show about depressed children's characters, dead soul of my mother that lives in the moon, and uh, <laughs> an apathetic Jorge shook his head no and walked off. Christmas Tuba Man. You've been brought here on a mission of the most high import Tuba Man. Planets of Miserable Slugs. So on this giant slug planet, I can't get over this idea. Giant oh, slug planet. I, I, I really, there's one musical slug, just one? Just one. Just one? Yeah. And do his song for me. And he day? and he just he only plays it to torment the other slug. Super bananas from the past. He's a super banana from the past. He's from the past. He went to the future, but he's from the past. Walmart haiku. At last dreams come true. Yeah, you're right. Bullets, hot pockets, nose spray. All in the same place. <laughs> Original games. Number two. Yes. Who said it? Garrison Keeler or Lil Wayne? Uh-huh. A girl in a bikini is like having a loaded pistol on your coffee table. There's nothing wrong with them, but it's hard to stop thinking about it. But that's Lil Wayne. No, dude. It's Garrison Keeler. Sushi Jackknife is over 50 episodes strong and as binge-worthy as The Vicar of Dibley. No one knows what that is. You're, you're right. I mean, No one knows. I mean, I know what it is. Is it, it necessary that people know what it is? Well, I mean, you just referenced an obscure British sitcom that no one watched. I mean, I watched it. You are literally... The, <laughs> the people on the show didn't watch it. Yeah. Anyway. The opening was a hymn. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like a lot of people know about hymns. No, but... I, I, no one cares. Okay. <laughs> well, if you want, if it like comes around, like listen to Sushi Jackknife. We're on iTunes and Stitcher and... Yeah. Yeah. The next morning, we catch up with Achi as he's making his way to Shaolin Temple. Along the way, he encounters some Shaolin students thrashing wheat, and so he poses as a student to try and blend in. Unfortunately, his clumsiness gets the better of him, and he falls into one of the grain bins. The monk in charge banishes him, but that doesn't stop Achi from his quest. Grabbing some stray grain kernels, he dresses up his head to look as if he's undergone the jabao, and procures himself some tea which he laces with an extreme laxative. The jabao, by the way, is the series of dots burned into a Shaolin monk's head. It's a painful process reserved for only the highest orders of monks, and it involves burning incense down to the nubs until they sear down into your flesh, leaving the trademark scar tissue pattern. Not something I would recommend, but hey, you do you. Anyway, Achi leaves the tea out for the students as they're ferrying vegetables to the temple. When one student succumbs to the potion, Achi jumps in and takes his place. Within the temple walls, Achi doesn't quite know what he's doing, so he gets challenged by some abbots who are wise to his tricks and kick him out yet again. 
Still, Achi perseveres and learns that a crop of new Shaolin students will be returning from RRR, which gives him the perfect cover to try and work his way back inside. He gets his hands on some coarse broom fiber and fashions himself a wig that he dyes black and blends in with the returning students. Now, once we're inside the temple, as in the first movie, we start to see the appeal of Shaolin, because this is essentially where we see the superpowers in development. For us kids, this was a peek behind the curtain and the secret to becoming kung fu superheroes ourselves. The students first file into a room where they have to cross a dirt path, but they can't just walk across the path. They have to follow an intricate series of steps, and their footfalls have to be perfectly placed to line up with an existing step pattern. Any misstep results in a bear trap locking up your student's leg. Shaolin doesn't mess around, and two other students are also trying to hustle their way in, and they try to sneak in around the bear traps, but booby-trapped bricks in the walls pop out, pushing them into the dirt path where they get locked up too. Achi, watching cautiously, hangs back so as not to get caught, but he knows he's going to have to figure out some way else to get out there. When all the actual students make their way through, some Shaolin abbots show up and release the intruders with the warning to never return. Then there's this cool scene where the abbots clean up the step pattern by dancing across the path while kicking their legs around, stirring up the dirt, and cleanly covering up the steps behind them until there's nothing but a pristine path. And odd Achi decides that this is now or never. If I can only learn from them... And all will be well. Then I could get it. The jackpot. As the monks finish up, Achi pops out in full actor mode, and he convinces the monks that he's a visiting monk from the Northern Shaolin Temple. It's a funny interlude as he cons one of the monks to walk him across the path as he stands really close to or on the monk's feet to try and learn the steps. When they finally get to the other side, the head abbot accepts Achi's lame explanation, but we see that he's only humoring him. In the next chamber, Students are forced to grab some sticks of incense, and using only their fingers, they're to punch through a heavy metal door to plant the incense in prayer. As Achi tries it, his fingers slam against the door time and again, but they stay closed. Another abbot grabs him and tosses him around, and then at the door which swings open, and then just as quickly shuts, locking Achi's hands in place. The abbot grills Achi for a bit, and as usual, Achi tries to lie his way through a situation. You are from? North Shaolin Temple. There are no novices up north. And not before. But nowadays, they got some. You're quite determined. Because you made it so far, I'll tolerate your presence. In the next room, the fabled 36th chamber, Achi sees a number of tests that he has to somehow overcome. He tricks his way through the first gate and then sees stations like Concussion Alley, which we saw in the first film. It's basically a series of swinging heavy bags that you have to headbutt your way through. There's also an oiled path that you have to traverse by leaping onto roof tiles tossed at your feet. There's also a set of metal steps that are heated and a gauntlet of sharp spikes. And at the oil slick, Achi tries his luck but immediately slips and falls, taking out an entire row of students, and then lands his head in a bucket of oil, which the other students begin laughing at. At least until another abbot shows up to get things under control. Buddha bless you. Buddha bless you. And who are you, sir? I am called Sante. So faux Sante comes face to face with real Sante, and Achi immediately drops to his knees to beg to be his pupil. Achi doesn't give up the lie that he's from the Northern Temple, and again, Sante tolerates his foolishness, if only for a bit. As Achi's standing there, the oil has caused his hair color to run, so Sante offers that if Achi can successfully wash his hair, he can stay at the temple. Achi jumps at the chance, but he can't live up to the rigorous demands of Shaolin just yet. He fails to ferry his own water through the gauntlet, so Sante clears out the courtyard to leave the well water for Achi. The catch is, he can't have a bucket. So when he asks Sante how to draw water... Sante demonstrates his kung fu skill by kicking up a large boulder and redirecting it into the well. 
The resulting splash is high enough for anyone quick enough to be able to use. With only one rock at his disposal, Achi ties a rope to the small boulder and begins tossing it into the well, hoping for a usable splash. And so starts a variation of the wax-on, wax-off, training-by-not-training method, as Achi slowly begins to develop his arm muscles and balance by repeatedly tossing and retrieving the rock. That evening, Achi tries to scheme his way out of another chore by sneaking back to the well and dipping just his wig in the water. But as he does so, he's interrupted by a bald-up piece of paper with an ominous note. Evil walks in everyone. Don't you take that path, Santé. A repentant Achi commits to doing things the right way, and eventually he learns to work the rock and rope until he's easily pulling it up and even acrobatically diving through the splash of water no matter what angle it takes. When his hair is finally clean, he realizes that for some reason he told Sante that his actual hair color was white. Dejected in the face of yet another impending failure, he accidentally elbows a stone wall and actually crushes some of the brick, releasing a fine white powder, which Achi thinks would be an ideal way to color his hair white. Of course, the next morning we see Achi with a powdery white wig that sends up plumes of white dust every time he moves. He seeks out Sante, who questions the veracity of his hair color. He tries to grab Achi's wig, and without even thinking about it, Achi begins to dodge and weave away from Sante's grabs, using the moves that he's learned from having to work his way around the well. Sante smiles a little at what he sees, and finally levels with Achi that he's known all along that he was a phony. An embarrassed Achi goes to leave, but Sante invites him to stay, but not as a student. Instead, he instructs Achi to construct scaffolding around the whole of the 36th chamber so that they can do some much-needed repairs. Achi is apprehensive of the huge job ahead, but with some gentle prodding from Sante, he accepts. And go. Hey, everybody. I'm here to talk to you about a new fun podcast called One More Drink. It is a show about life, love, and everything nerdy. So if you're into comic books, dating other kind of crazy, goofy things that we're going to talk about, you can join me, Blake, April, Yo, Terrence, Hello, everyone. and Andres. Hey, guys. Every single Friday for some fun conversations and some fun talks. My mom likes it, and she has a degree from a college, so that must tell you something. Obviously, this is the show for you, it's the show for me, it's the show for everybody. One more drink every Friday, wherever <laughs> podcasts are found. <laughs> Alright, so if you've been listening for a fight scene, you've noticed by now that there's been a severe drought since early on in the movie. Just like in the 36th Chamber of Shaolin, the biggest chunk of this film isn't centered around dynamically choreographed fights that leave you breathless with the display of skill and artistry. The major push of this film is in the training scenes and the dedication required of one man to master the secrets of the Shaolin Temple. This movie does not get made by Hollywood because there's no way a script focusing on nothing but practice would sell. We're talking about practice, man. I mean, how silly is that? Man, we're talking about practice. And yet, the first film is a classic in the genre, and this film adds to the master killer mythos, albeit with a different take. Speaking of which, Achi is busy lugging around large bamboo poles now and thin strips of reed as he's slowly constructing the scaffolding around the 36th chamber. As he moves, we can see that he's building more than just the scaffolding. His steps are tightly coordinated, his turns are sharp, and his hands move accurately and swiftly as he tends to the seemingly menial task. As it so happens, his work takes him high above the 36th chamber where he can observe the students practicing through all of their various stations. As he works, Achi finds ways to reconstruct some of the stations using the tools he has and begins practicing along with the students using his jerry-rigged equipment. It's not unlike Rocky Balboa using rocks and winches while Drago works with the latest tech. 
As time passes, Achi moves about his task quicker, which leaves him more time to practice Kung Fu. He builds a whole bunch of analogs to the equipment he sees being used and gets as adept as any student, all while continuing to develop what we can call scaffolding Kung Fu. The balance he's developed from walking across thin bamboo poles gets put on display when he accidentally falls onto a rotating fight dummy, but doesn't fall off, even as he's practicing his Kung Fu forms. Give all the credit in the world to Gordon Liu here for making scaffolding look like a legitimate Kung Fu training tool. He starts to move around the scaffolding like he was born on it, and begins spinning and lashing with crazy speed, until one day he finally completes his task. When Sante arrives to inspect his work, Achi explains that it's taken him a whole year to get the job done, but he stands by his work even though he did stop from time to time to watch the students practice. Sante, happy with the overall job, and smiling a knowing smile, throws Achi a curveball that even he wasn't prepared for. The work you've done is quite reasonable, but now I want you to break it down. What? What's that? Take it all down? That's right. After you've broken it down, you're free to go. What? Achi is beside himself with anger, having put in all that work only to be told to break it down and then leave. He stands his ground even as Sante keeps coming with threats of punishment. To protest, Achi lies down balanced across the scaffolding in a narrow alley. Sante walks down and with a wave of his hands, undoes much of the work, sending sections of scaffolding collapsing. But Achi reacts quickly, propping himself up between the walls. Going back to that wax-on, wax-off analogy. We get that in overdrive here as Sante comes after Achi, who retreats into the 36th chamber, still blinded by rage at being asked to leave. As Sante advances, Achi easily dodges every attack, and without knowing it, makes his way through a number of the chamber's obstacles, calling upon everything he learned, and is now applying without even thinking about it. He crushes through some solid bamboo poles, and even lands on some roof tiles, sliding across the oil slick without losing his balance. Sante continues pressing, sending Achi through a number of the trials which he handles flawlessly. The students and other monks are impressed, though Achi is too short-sighted to see it. When he's finally cornered by Sante, Achi tries to fight one last time, but Sante coldly tells him to leave the temple. Achi is absolutely crushed by the decision. Must I go this way? With nothing? Go! You take care. Sante never betrays his position, but as Achi leaves, we see a small smile creep across Sante's face, and now we as the audience can't wait until Achi learns what we all now know he's capable of. Back home, the workers have fallen on really hard times. They're destitute and have had to resort to menial tasks and even stealing to get by. When Achi returns, he's shocked to see what happened to his friends, but when he's recognized, he's received as a returning hero as they've all placed their hopes in him bringing back authentic Shaolin Kung Fu. But Achi doesn't believe that he's learned anything, and has to break it to his friends that he is what they always thought he was, just another failed actor. All those years away, didn't learn a thing. All I did all day was fix robes! Huh? What? Why did you leave the temple then? When Achao gets right in his face to ask him why he left Shaolin, Achi absentmindedly throws him through the air like a true Kung Fu master, but he's so distraught, he doesn't realize it. But his friends do. One throw and I'm over here. Huh? It can only mean one thing. He's mastered a lot of Kung Fu. It's very strange. Why deny it? Achi goes on to find his brother, who now has a child and is still healing from the wounds he suffered. Like his other friends, Asan thinks his brother's back to exact revenge on the Manchus. 
but Achi still doesn't know his own skill. But this time, his friends have gathered outside to help him figure it out. Alright, so it's a short fight scene, and there's no malice in this one at all. Instead, Achao deliberately provokes Achi into defending himself from several dozen of the workers. They all move to hold Achi, but he's able to fight his way out, even as he's trying to explain that he doesn't know any kung fu. Achao tries attacking with a club, but Achi easily disarms him and winds up for what could have been a lethal strike. Ah, great kung fu! Why did I hurt you? Any more force, and you would have killed me, huh? Only then does Achi wake up to the fact that he's actually learned kung fu and there was much celebration. The next morning we head back to the dye factory where the Manchus are ruling with an iron fist. They repeatedly abuse the workers with no fear of retribution. Meanwhile at the gates, the workers have assembled and start to provoke the thugs. The gate then busts wide open and standing there in full monk regalia is Achi. The enforcer watches as Achi flips up effortlessly onto a thin ledge which apparently jogs its memory. Oh, the phony Shaolin priest, it's you. I'm a student of Shaolin. You a kung fu student? Don't make me laugh. Fight scene. Now we get a proper fight scene as Achi gets right into it, working against a lot of Manchu color poles. He weaves through them and fends off any attacks, and even tosses one guy into a die pool, which serves to get the enforcer's attention. More Manchu fighters come out to help, but Achi can't be touched. The head enforcer tries his luck, and we get a fierce hand-to-hand exchange, which results in the enforcer having his hands bound to a pole before he can even blink. Chief Ma arrives and sends in the whole squad, and Achi shows off everything he learned from working the scaffolding. He grabs color poles and strings them across wrists and ankles, then quickly lashes them to the pole. Even Chief Ma is left swinging at the air as Achi disarms all his attackers of their color poles and binds them to supporting beams. The Manchu keep coming, only to have Achi take them down two and three at a time. Gordon Liu gets to turn on all his kung fu skills here as he moves from close quarter hand fighting to the poles to the newly invented scaffolding kung fu all looking completely calm and collected as he does it. One by one, he begins dismantling the Manchu crew while workers look on in admiration. With most of his guys down, Boss Wang has to make an appearance, and he too remembers the charade that Achi pulled off before. This time, though, things are different, and Achi is as eager to prove it as Boss Wang is to test it out. Final fight. Achi leads Boss Wang outside the factory to an abandoned building where Achi faces off against about a dozen of Boss Wang's crew. Using benches, the first wave comes at Achi, but he uses the strength he's developed in his legs to lock up the benches under him, forcing the Manchus into a defensive position. They're quickly outmatched, which prompts Boss Wang to step in momentarily. Wang shows much more skill with his bench and gives Achi a little bit of pause as he takes a few hits he wasn't expecting. Achi moves to take the fight inside the building, but with a bunch of guys chasing him down, he's got to even the odds a bit. As they start to cross a dirt path, Achi uses the clearing technique he learned from the monks to kick up the dirt and cause a smoke screen, which leaves some of the guys blinded. Inside the abandoned structure, there is conveniently plenty of scaffolding, which Achi uses to his advantage. Chief Ma is the first to feel its bite when Achi lures him out onto a bamboo bundle, then rips through the lashings, sending the bundle out in a split. Achi manages to stay on while Chief Ma falls through, then gets pinned as Achi pulls the bamboo back around him. Achi continues to make quick work of the lieutenants until it's just him and Boss Wang in a tight alley, not unlike the one Sante had him in before he left the temple. Now Johnny Wang Long Wei puts up a great fight here, returning every strike as fiercely as it's delivered. But Achi's skill has surpassed his own, so we see Boss Wang get cut down slowly, and the desperation grows on his face as he learns that he's dealing with much more than he can handle. Achi toys with Boss Wang for much of the fight, 
even calling out the percentage of his skill that he's using to beat him. Boss Wine? And now, the full 90%. Okay, you won. You beaten me. Alright, I'm not sure on the math there because 90% is most certainly not full by any measure, but I guess 90% of Shaolin mastery would be plenty to hurt anybody. So anyway, unlike most kung fu flicks, this final boss fight doesn't end up in a gory, satisfying death, but the beatdown is still pretty complete, if only because we know that Achi has grown into the hero that his friends needed him to be. This film is completely carried by Gordon Liu, who moves from comic to foil to sympathetic figure and finally to hero without ever giving us, the audience, a reason to doubt him. While not one of the kung fu classics, this film is a brilliant showcase for Liu and is fun and engaging on its own merits, though it couldn't possibly live up to the legend of its predecessor. As of this episode, I know it's available on Amazon Prime Video, so if you have a Prime membership, go grab it there and enjoy it for the pure fun that the film has, often at its own expense. Alright, that's going to wrap it up, gang. I want to give a quick shout out to The Castaways, which is a great group of fellow podcasters that I'm lucky enough to be a part of. That includes the Besotted Geek Podcast, Superiority Complex, The Horror Club Radio, Home Video Hustle, Sci-Fi Double Feature Drive-In Pod, History of Bad Ideas, Nerdy Bitches, High Expectations, Everything I Learned From Movies Podcast, Useless Debates, Heil on Life Pod, Cult 45, The Film Roast Show, The What Were They Thinking Podcast, Wrestling Nerd Alliance, and yours truly. They're all producing some great shows, so if you enjoyed this show, please consider giving them all a listen because chances are you'll find something good to add to your collection. Also, as of this recording, there are still many, many people being affected adversely by Hurricane Harvey in Texas. If you have the means, please consider lending a helping hand however you can. One of my podcaster buddies who co-hosts the Nerdy Bitches podcast is one of those suffering the effects, so if you can... Please check out my show notes and send a little help their way because no one should have to endure such harsh conditions. Lots of love and luck to all my other podcast peeps and any of my listeners who are from the affected areas. Please stay strong and above all, stay safe. Until next time, Poison Clan, peace. See the iron fisted monk before the daily prayers Shouting monks on the hands running down the thousand stairs The fate of Lee Khan now's in King Yu's hands With the fearless Aida roaming over the land Yeah the little bitch soldier is old and wiser He wants a world of peace because he doesn't want to fight you got the venom mob laying down the law Bruce Lee delivered kicks guaranteed to graze jars Fight for the cars then pass here the pass Not again back kicks will defeat the outlaws Very good but boards don't hit back Yeah the death jewels here David is coming back the Tai Chi master, jelly's even faster Could channel a little drink because he is the drunken master Once upon a time in China Rosamund Kwan is real fine but see Maggie show his spine Golden Swallow has arrived Shang Chi movies will the hero will survive We've got the brave archer make his way to the top Of the mountain gonna fight, may as well pick the spot Yeah the sky goes black cause the vampire's back We've got Lam Ching Ying to kill them all to so stand back He plays the black magic on the soul of the sword
sword And our sword will travel until there's bodies on floors Yeah, Wing Chun Shaolin and Mantis style Yeah, defeat the enemy and watch him run for miles Blood will spill now on the mountain tops When we bring back the soul of the legendary pops Welcome to the tea house, many for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting ha. This time it's warm We smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting ha. This time it's warm We smash the place up with a dragon claws See it's a game of death, yo, you're facing the big boss It's once upon a time in China counting the TikTok The Shogun Assassin slash and blood just drip drop The head kick, neck drop, balance the bone stop Wanna kill Bill, better get the assassins He's got her just in yellow, but she is in the dragon But in the tea rooms, that's where it'll happen She got the bodies on the floor and the blood It'll splatter against the walls, no fear at all To kill them all, there's always blood spilled When you head into a war, fearless, unleashed the fist of legend that they call Jet Lee I'm Bolo Young, yo, I'll always be a beast You rumble in the Bronx, yo, I'm rumble in the streets And it's simple, see the facts are these It's only ever gonna be one Bruce Lee Welcome to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting ha. This time it's warm, we smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine